In studio with us now, Justin Angle. It's the business angle, the overlay between business and sports. Justin, a professor at the University of Montana Business School and kind enough to join us every couple weeks to talk about all the uh, different elements of business, money, and the sporting world. Uh, first of all, Andrew was trying to explain to us something about there's an NFL game with some toy story. Not, neither one of us has heard of it either, so we have no idea. So we can't even do any commentary on it other than it sounds just so to, totally 2023 and totally strange. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to really have <laughs> I don't a comment. Either. But, but, We've known about this for 17 seconds. But so. the, uh, <laughs> the basic premise, it sounds like a way to represent football in a way that's compelling to different audiences. Right, and so the NFL's got to, it's in a growth phase. It sure. has to continue to think about how to grow its customer base. And a way to do that is to bring in people that haven't watched football before. And you could, if you can translate your characters into a different substrate, might be might be a good way to do it. <laughs> so the gist is that the game in London that they're going to do, which all the players and coaches hate, is going to also have like a rendition of Toy Story characters replicating the movements on the field. I don't know. My mind is blown. I can't even wrap my head around any of that. Speaking of expanding uh, customer base for the NFL, though, somehow, some way, the NFL just keeps getting these windfall moments no matter what happens. And I'm not even so sure that any of this is actually real. That's just because I'm so cynical. But if you've been following the Chicken Doesn't Know Sports, Carolyn's been keeping us up to date with Taylor Swift and her dating history and her dating uh, contemporary uh, life. And uh, now, at least it seems, Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, the the, uh, starting tight end for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. This is hilarious from a business and marketing standpoint, though, because the Chiefs game was the biggest stinker of the weekend. They were up 41-0 in the third quarter. We turned it it over to the Cowboys game. Uh, Not everybody else changed the channel. 24 million additional people watched this game. They said Travis Kelsey's jersey sales are up 400% in the first two days of this week. Yeah, the Swifties. This is wild, right? Like, th- this is why I think that there's some sort of uh, something uh, fishy around here. Because the only thing that the NFL could do to get a whole new audience that's more popular than the NFL would be to add Taylor Swift to the equation, right? I mean, this is crazy. It's like the the two biggest entertainment entities in America right now merging. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of symptomatic of the culture we're in, right? Like right. size begets size and the amount of power and market power that accumulates to the superstars is the driving force of how much of economic outcomes are determined across our society. And what you see with Taylor Swift is an entertainer who is able to amass such share of the market space, whether it's the concert dollars or the record sales or the social media presence. She is such a superstar. She's accumulated a ton of power. The the NFL has done the same, right? And so Mm -hmm. the only way that either institution can really grow at a meaningful scale is to partner with one or the other, you got you got to partner with size to to grow at the rate you need to grow to to satisfy your shareholders, so to speak. The craziest part about this is that Patrick Mahomes is uber famous, like mm-hmm. he's certainly very famous. Taylor Swift is like so many more times famous Transcendent. Yeah. than than Patrick Mahomes. That, that's the crazy part is I think that sometimes sports fans get stuck in their own little heads and they're thinking, "Wow, man, you pair Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift." It's not even comparable. Very few people learned about. 
Patrick Mahomes. This or I, I should say, I should say very few people learned about Taylor Swift via Patrick Mahomes. Vice versa. All sorts of people who probably had no idea who Patrick Mahomes is. Now they kind of do. And they kind of know who Travis Kelsey is because of Taylor Swift sitting in the box. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, if you look at you know how <laughs> huge a superstar in the sports world Tom Brady is and was. Right. But his wife at the time, Giselle Bunchen, was you know, much more market power, much, much more, more media right. presence, much more income. And so times 10. Yeah. I mean, it, it just is sort of you widen the aperture, right? And the NFL in order, like we said before, they're, they're giant within the sports landscape and the cultural landscape, but to, to, to widen their aperture, they have to go upstream into, you know, areas like a Taylor Swift and those sorts of partnerships. I also find it hilarious. And again, this is just me being cynical, but Travis Kelsey certainly gained a lot of fame on his own sure. lately. I mean, he and his brother had their podcast. Yep. He already had his like bachelor-like show that was, you know, kind of a flop, but it kind of got him out of the football realm and into the pop culture realm. And his he and his brother have his have their podcast, and he's he's had a fair amount of endorsements. But now there's a lot of Travis Kelsey commercials on television, and you have to wonder if some of this is just like a. A partnership or something between he and T. Swift. Oh, like know. a manufactured right. arrangement by their PR agents. I, I think you know th- that theory seems totally plausible <laughs> to me. Like they're going to show up as a couple on the cover of People magazine or Us Weekly, right, and, right. you know, figure out a new merch concept or whatever it is. Yeah, these things seem very kind of curated <laughs> for the public. We're going way too far into the gossip column. We a are. bit of all of this. Uh, it, it, We'll get to more of this later on with Carolyn. I wanted to bring it up not because of anything that has to do with Taylor Swift other than Taylor Swift's impact on the marketability of the already existing Super Bowl champions and the, uh, I mean, this is a windfall win for Travis Kelsey in the short term. I just wonder what happens when they break up and she writes a whole album about him and then he's, you know, heartbroken. If it's real relationship, this is definitely on the it seems on like the docket. No, it seems like nothing but upside for Kelsey at this point. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. It's the business angle with Justin Angle here. Uh, let's talk about some actual, real, tangible business and sports. Sure. First of all, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. And, and this is... This is something we've actually talked about several times, but it was just sort of speculation and theory, and now they're actually talking about doing this. So for those who have been following along, the Pac-12 is now sitting there as the Pac-2. I think that they have to maintain that because of the NCAA saying they're going to lose their basketball shares. I didn't realize that the NCAA basketball shares and all the money that's in the coffers from basketball in the Pac-12 was the numbers that they are. I mean, you're talking like $60 million. Yeah, a lot of money. I mean, and then there's another $100 million from all the different payouts and stuff. They have to maintain that money somehow. So, though, we've talked about, does the Pac-12 go and just pillage the Mountain West? Do they just absorb the entire Mountain West? Well, now the Mountain West and the Pac-12, they're, the, I guess the I should say the Pac-12, the, the people from Washington State and Oregon State and a lot of the teams in the Mountain West have been talking about this proposal for maybe a relegation model uh, when it comes to college football out west. What do you think of this? Well, I mean, we've talked about the concept of relegation before. Sure. The relegation model, I think, has a lot of positives, right? It, it creates games that are of higher stakes, and it creates a system of kind of making sure that there's good faith competition at all levels of the league and there's real enforcement mechanism, right? 
Now, the question is, can it exist with, within a single conference within a bigger system? Sure. And, you know, the question, a bunch of questions there, right? Like, can this thing exist within the current structure of how TV deals are done? And, you know, will schools want to participate when there's that much uncertainty, right? The schools right now are trying to create as much certainty with their revenue streams as they can. Totally. Relegation model, you know, it could create some certainty, but the relegation itself is a bit of a hammer. So that can be a problem. The other thing too is like how appealing is this to a recruited athlete, mm. right? Like if there's a chance that, mm -hmm. if there's a chance your team gets relegated, right. are you going to even look at those lower tier teams in the conference? Because there's, you don't want to take that chance of having, of like starting your career in, in one media market and having that media market evaporate. Now, the transfer portal is a whole nother mechanism to exactly. avoid some of that risk as a right. player, but still, you might just want to wash your hands of it from the start. It, it is. So, I never thought of that element. What, like, what happens if you go to Washington State and then all of a sudden Washington State's not yeah. one of the front runners in this proposed tiered conference? They're all of a sudden not. And then all of a sudden, instead of playing in Corvallis and, and San Diego and you know these other places, you know, Wyoming, it, and all of a sudden then you're playing in Ogden, Utah or something, and it's just a totally different deal. Right, the whole thing kind of all folds in on itself. If we, like, add relegation and the transfer portal <laughs> and NIL, it's like these players just move to whatever school is not relegated. <laughs> you know, then you we're going to talk about Colorado at some stage, but sure. if, like, a team can perform reasonably well with... 50 out of its 70 players being transfers. Like, who knows what happens in a model like this? On the uh, on the, the plus side, the benefit side, I think that, that I think that Washington State and Oregon State are painted into a corner here. They would never, ever do this unless it was desperate times, but this yeah. is desperate times. Absolutely. They, they got to figure out a way to maintain. So what's the incentive for them to do this, though? Like, it's not clear to me why this model of merging with the Mountain West is a better model for all the players. Rather than um, just recruit yeah, the Mountain West? Why not just Rebuild the Pac-12? Yeah, exactly. Why not right. just merge with the Mountain West and have a new conference? Well, see, I think... Call it whatever you call it, but not the relegation. Yeah, I think that the, the number one thing is that they have to find a way to fit into the, the broadcasting landscape sure. here. What's going to happen, I think is the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12 are going to snatch up the three biggest television and or streaming dollars sure. that exist. How do you then combat that and get some form of a piece of the pie? This unique model might be something where if you got 30 schools together and you made it a two or three team, or yeah. two or three tier rather, relegation system, I think that's the, the, the benefits for it. You're erasing... The fact that Corvallis is a sixty thousand person town and Pullman's a you know whatever fourteen thousand. I mean, the schools are bigger than the towns right. when it comes to Oregon State and Washington State. And then you're also sort of leveling the playing field a little bit by getting all these media markets together. Like I guess the the number one thing, the way to make the most money, I think, would be for them to have like this thirty team conglomeration of specific streaming where everybody that's affiliated with, they're getting money from all 30 teams in the conference. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking 30 teams, right. like that's a bit of a breakaway entity. Right, rather right, than, right. <coughs> excuse me, rather than a conference. So if it can be at that size and scope, then it becomes a, dis a little bit of a distinct entity. 
Um, if it's just a single conference, though, it doesn't seem right, right. to be that compelling to compete for the remaining dollars in the market space relative to those Power Five conferences you mentioned a moment ago. I guess that's right. I mean, if you, if you are Oregon State, Washington State, uh, probably San Diego State, some of these, Boise State maybe, th- this is probably not that appealing to you. If you're North Dakota State, though, it's probably very appealing to you. like Because North Dakota State, nobody will invite them in because nobody wants to have Fargo, North Dakota, and the media, they don't, that media market's not a draw. North yeah. Dakota State's been so good. If North Dakota State could get into something like this, though, then they could play their way up and really prove it. And yeah, I think it's probably way more appealing to the the schools that have no taste of this yet than the ones that are trying to hang on for dear life. I think where we're going through this phase of generally consolidation, like that's mm-hmm. the macro trend that's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. across a lot of our economy in general, but in sports in particular. And so I just don't see a world where, you know, the Boise's, uh, Boise States, the Washington States, the Oregon States have enough incentive to be inclusive of the North Dakota States and these, these, these little folks. And these little folks trying to get a piece of the bigger pie, they're just going to get crowded out. And, I mean, I, I think we, we're seeing that across the board. And, and we talked, we've talked extensively about the decline of the linear cable bundle. Sure. And it just seems like there's there's going to be less money in the system, mm-hmm. right? And with less money in the system, it, it, I think football programs, some football programs are going to go away. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I think when the dust settles, and I think this is going to take a lot longer than a lot of people think sure. it's going to, but I think when the dust settles, you're going to have these... I, th- I think it's just going to be a cut and dry line. I think if you're a 75 million or more revenue producing football program, you'll be in this top tier. Mm-hmm. Then the next, you know, 35 to 65 million dollar budgets will be in this next tier, and then the ones that are, you know, 10 to 30 million dollars will be in that tier. And if you can't figure out a way to have a 10 million plus dollar budget, you're going to just going to go away. I mean, for a university president, you'd probably look at it like this is not worth the headache. Totally. And we also talking to Bruce Barnum, the head coach of Portland State, earlier today. They had to schedule North American University to get a home football game, else right. they would have had to play a 10-game schedule because they can't. They truly they have to play Oregon and Wyoming to get a check. Yeah. And the only way they're going to get anybody to come to Portland because they don't have any money to pay anybody mm-hmm. is they have to schedule this like basically non-existent NAIA school. Right. from. The, I mean, this school is literally in a formerly foreclosed upon Holiday Inn in the <laughs> suburbs of Houston. It's not even possible that this is a school, the football program, and this is not in the spirit of competition. I mean, you and I could make that. Team, I mean, that's, I no, we, we would we would be stars on this team, man. <laughs> I mean, they were literally they they were up ninety one nothing going into the fourth quarter. Oh my god! And Coach Barnum said, "Man, I in the spirit of competition, I'm not going to score hundred points on a team. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's not. I do not want to be on the national news for running it up on this team that." We, we shouldn't be it's on the same. Anyone. Yeah, we shouldn't right. be on the same field together, right? And, and that's a scenario, though, where now the money is crushing just the existence of certain places like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's how this sort of thing plays out. Uh, you know, the remaining money in the system accrues to the big powers. We're seeing that clearly. And there's this mad scramble for the folks in the middle to not get left behind. And then there's going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be this shakeout period where there's a certain number of schools that can't get a media deal. 
Uh, a football program in particular is, is expensive to run relative to other sports, just the number of coaches and equipment yep. facilities you have to maintain at a high level. And I think schools will look at the trade-off and say, it's just not worth it to have football if you're not at a certain level. It's right. such a big, um, it's such a powerful economic force for a university, but it has to be of a certain size to be able to provide that benefit. Well, there's always been this notion that your athletic department's the front porch of your university. It's yeah. this great marketing tool. I think that's absolutely still true. In the SEC. Sure. I mean, Florida and, and Old Miss and Arkansas and Georgia and Alabama, they, they are absolutely getting more students because yep. they have a great college experience and there's the tailgates and all this stuff. The the further down the road you go, though, the, I think the less and less that... I mean, I, I've seen it, in my personal opinion, Wayne at the University of Montana. I still think there is a... A draw and a necessity sure. for the Grizz to have a football team when it comes to spreading the brand around the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was in college, there was quite literally thousands of kids that came to school here because they saw the Grizz on ESPN. Right. I think it's still a bonus for the kids, and I think it's still a good part of the student body experience. But I don't know how many kids are saying, hey, I'm going to the University of Montana because that team is awesome, and that's what I want to do is go to Grizz games. Well, I, I think maybe at the local level. It's hard to quantify. We're talking about a a statewide um, market for students or even a regional market for students. Um, It's a great point. It'd be interesting to see, too, like University of Montana and University of Colorado Boulder are not necessarily peer institutions. Right. But there is this... Like this, the profile of of, a, of an out of state student who would go to CU Boulder is similar to the sort of out of state student that we try to attract here at the University of Montana. Very true. So if you have a resurgence in their football program and the popularity of that university, will that steal some out of state student share from places like you know, Montana State and, and the University of Montana? I don't know. Uh, but and and uh, perception is reality sometimes, right? I mean. That, that's the flip side of the argument is I'm sort of speculating and, and uh, you know, talking theoretically about my perception that there's not as many kids that go to school here because of football games. Sure. But on the flip side of that, I could be a complete hypocrite and say, I know there's a bunch of kids going to school at Montana State because of the, it's not just because of the momentum of their football program, but it's indicative of the momentum of the university as a whole. Uh, to some degree. I mean, we're still selling out the stadium. That's right. Oh, for sure. And record settings, yep. season ticket sales. And so... I, I don't think they're, you know, University of Montana is so, and MSU, so far away from the scenario we just painted with Portland State. That's right? exactly like, right. So far away. And there's some structural reasons that the success that these two programs uh, have maintained can continue. And some reason to think it might um, um, power might even consolidate, right? Because totally. if you look at the Big Sky Conference, we're like, Montana, Montana State, like we're toward the top of the con- uh, conference. We're one of the more powerful entities. Now, you know, how much growth is there to be had in the system? Uh, I'm not sure, right? But with, with money leaving the system in general, um, I think there will be um, the shakeout period will come to other institutions before it comes to the big state schools here. The business angle, Justin Angle in studio with us here on Nuwaz Now. It's the overlay between business and sports. Presented by Blackfoot Communications. You want to see how Blackfoot can help you with your in-home or at-office networking? Visit goblackfoot.com. We went complete reverse order. I wanted to leave with Coach Prime, but all of a sudden we were talking about Taylor Swift. But uh, Deion Sanders has done nothing but 
raise and elevate the profile of Colorado football. They've talked a bunch of smack. They've done a bunch of branding. Everybody's got commercials. They got Twitter handles on the practice jerseys. It's all fine and dandy. They started 3-0. and Well, then they went to Austin Stadium and got absolutely smashed last week by the uh, University of Oregon. That said, it, it, it seems like, though, the hype train continues. So, I mean, is it a, is one of those deals where win or lose, it doesn't matter as long as you keep on talking? Well, I, I don't think it's quite that simple. I, I think that... Okay, so Colorado has been an awful football program. That's right. So you can't really expect them to all of a sudden be a national, right. you know, a top-ranked team. Um, and their record today, like, didn't have they? They've won three games. That's more than they won last year. Right? That, that's they won right. Two last that's year right. or something. That's right. And, and, and I think too the way that Coach Prime or Dion has positioned the team as the, like we're the outsiders, we're the people that everybody is, you know, they sort of have this upstart. Um, overlooked uh, brand that they've cultivated. Yeah. Well, you know, it seemed like after the first couple of weeks, like everybody was rooting for them. Right. It's a little harder to maintain that outsider persona, that us against the world persona, if all of a sudden everybody's rooting for you. Yes. And so, yeah. So maybe this is feeds into the narrative, and that we go to uh, they go to Oregon, lose big, and now they're a bit like. Now people are sort of jumping off the bandwagon. And that becomes the narrative. Like, all these people jumping off the bandwagon. You, you just see, like, you know, Dion spinning up a yarn <laughs> about that. And the other piece of this, too, it's like, I just think that the potential for that program to be a powerhouse is is a little unmatched in college football at the moment. I mean, if you were a young player, why would you not want to go play for Deion Sanders mm-hmm. in the era of NIL, right? right and right. the transfer portal, right? Like he is a player who, you know, as a player, he was able to achieve at the highest level of two sports, yep, on the field, but at the same time, cultivate a tremendous individual brand with power in the marketplace. I mean, what better person to to appeal to a, a recruit in this era of, of personal branding? We can say, I can make you a transcendent athlete. I can put you on a team that wins championships, but I can also help you get paid, right. monetize your personal brand because right. I know how to do it. I've done it myself. He, he, he's done so many. Uh, he's, he's done all the things that the people want to do these days. And now we're going to have this eternal struggle between... Nick Saban and Kirby Smart saying, hey, you come here, we will win, you will be a part of a system and a part of this gigantic program, and we'll put you in the NFL, and then you can go get branded, or you can go there, and you can be branded right away, and uh, who cares if you win or lose, you'll still be famous across the country. Yeah, I think the Dion argument will win. I, I totally agree. I don't know what I think of the Dion argument winning, but I totally agree with you. I do and think I don't it'll think, win. I mean, I think we'd be... I think you have to include race in the argument too. Yeah, right. You know the SEC. There's a. I mean, Tommy Tuberville as a coach came out of there, and look what he's doing in the Senate sure. right now. Right. Is that something that I think many young black players want to aspire to? Do you want to go play for a person like that? And I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like painting with a broad brush across the yeah. SEC coaching right. ranks, right. but there's a lot of characters like that. Yes, right. In the leadership positions at those schools. And, you know, if Dion can offer you a pathway to as, if not more, success 
and you can identify with him on a personal level, I just think it makes a really powerful recruiting premise. Well, it's now ESPN Radio, the business segment. We could keep going on and on, but we'll take a break. We'll probably readdress this next time Justin's in studio. But thanks for swinging by, man. Thank you.